Super Flex City. SFT here. With my man Swags. Stuff we all get. <laughs> and what happens now that this 2020 season is over? Had to let my guy Zach Reed sing a little bit. Yeah, we, we couldn't. <laughs> had to let that breathe for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just wanted to jump into my thoughts, but I was just like, you know what? We we need a little uh, we need a little Zach Reed. He was fighting back. <laughs> Zach wasn't gonna let you have it. He's, he's not gonna <laughs> he's not gonna be run over. Superflex City. Over. <laughs> Add Tacit Assassin, by the way, on Twitter, co-host of the Dynasty Dummies, along with Kyle Lebrecht. And uh, I mean, one of basically it's him and, and Gabe Manbun. Those are the guys doing the uh, the podcast intros. Yep. Um, we've got a we've got a unique song for Superflex Super Show, but like beyond that. There are very few podcasts out there that don't have one of those guys, you yeah. know, <laughs> doing the intro at this point. Yep. I dig it. Um, all right, stuff. We, uh, we've got, <laughs> we've kind of talked about this. We, we want to, we still, we still need to reflect on 2020. Like it's so tempting to start looking ahead to this off season and get into 2021 a little bit, you know, some predictions and stuff. Uh, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's so much and it still feels like as much as we've got what, eight months here before we have to, you know, be fully prepared. There's just so much yeah. to that. It's tempting to just jump into that, but I think it's still important to reflect a little bit on 2020. Like that's how you perfect your process is start with what the hell just happened, you know? And, and what a crazy year. Yeah. Yeah. So, this- do you like, like, uh, a lot of people I see, like, enjoying Week 17 because they're finally not playing in any fancy football leagues and they can just kind of sit back and watch the games? Mm-hmm. And so I went into it with that mindset, and then I instantly thought, like, huh, I missed the stress of like wondering how good my team's gonna do or being mad that Jalen Hurts was just pulled from the game like I miss the stress of that already like for me unfortunately and and maybe I'm an outlier but I enjoy it more with the fantasy football and having those that those feelings the good feelings and the bad feelings go through my body like I I missed it already yeah I kind of did too I mean I, I I think that part of it too is you and I both root for NFL teams that had been eliminated like well before. Sure, sure. So that changed things a little bit. But um, but yeah, I mean, I still found myself like checking box scores and and seeing like this, you know, this guy that was this player that was on several of my dynasty teams and you know, seeing the stat line and being like, Oh man, I would have absolutely crushed i don't know so yeah <laughs> you know, it, 
I, I find myself being more mad or disappointed. Like when you see AJ Dillon finally get used in week 16, you're kind of like, oh man, his price is going to go up now. And yeah. I find myself like those off season moves. Cause I, I'm with you. Like this is my favorite time of year. The off season is what it's all about. But some of those players, you all of a sudden see people going off and now people getting more and more attached to like even uh, Gabriel Davis having that nice week and those nice catches. And you're just like, oh, there it's going to be that much tougher to acquire him in the offseason. So LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, man. It, see, he scored the LaVisca Chenault scored the first touchdown. And I tweeted that he's one of the biggest dynasty buys. And then he scored the second touchdown, and I was like, well, <laughs> there goes your window. Your yeah. buy window closed in about 10 minutes. So, And that's interesting, too, because I feel like and, – and we were going to talk about some coaching stuff here, but I feel like one of the things I was thinking about today – and maybe I'm totally off on this, John – but mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to go into this offseason, and in a, in a week or two here, people are going to talk about players like James Robinson and how that – role is going to change because of the coaching change like you're going to get that side of like Doug Marone being fired but then on the other side with like somebody like Adam Gase being fired they're going to be like buy all the Jets because Adam Gase is finally gone right and then like Denzel Mims price goes up players like that which which I'm with them on that like don't get me wrong but really if I'm I mean I would buy Denzel Mims or some of the guys on the Jets yeah absolutely for for the price but i mean if it goes up the way it's going to just because of that coaching change no i'm not gonna be all in on that it it may be too late but then the other side of it with somebody like james robinson i think that you're going to be able to acquire him for cheaper than you should be able to within a week or two with him not playing in week 16 not playing in week 17 and then people are going to start to bring back up the undrafted free agent rookie and then the coaching change. And I think it's going to affect his value negatively when it shouldn't. But this is all just assuming that like uh, a certain value shift happens. And I, you know what I mean? I'm talking out my ass. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is my assumptions. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty safe. Like, I don't think you're totally, I don't think you're talking out of your ass at all. I mean, this is coming from, you know, several years of experience witnessing this you know phenomenon that where you know you 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 go off and and that's why i say like to me the the chenault buy window pretty much closed after the second touchdown because yeah one with that first touchdown i kind of you know i i I feel like we kind of saw for the first time we we really kind of saw lovis we saw lavisca chenault healthy um, involved in the offense, we kind of saw the type of role that they're going to use him in. And it, to me, it's it's very similar to you know Chase Claypool, Debo Samuel, like it's that type of role. And we kind of saw we got a glimpse, but it wasn't enough to really catch people's attention. But you score that second touchdown, and then it's like that's all people are going to remember. Yep. Week seven. Start to envision it with a new quarterback. Yeah, especially that quarterback, you know, yep. Trevor Trevor Lawrence. You put him yeah. in that offense with a healthy LaVisca Chenault, and now possibly Urban Meyer is a head coach. And, yeah, I mean, people are frothing at the mouth. But I don't – you know, I think that the focus still would have been on DJ Chark if it wasn't for the fact that Chenault gets in the end zone twice. Uh, 
you know yeah it's, yeah it's like that recency bias we and we've yep. see, we see this all the time you know and and people are really going to kind of forget about some of the you know some some of the players and James Robinson is a great example all season long up until the injury he was just so freaking solid yeah you know? and now you know in the last couple weeks of the season you get you know, those monster games from, you know, Jonathan Taylor and David Montgomery. And it's like, I mean, up until week, what, 15, I don't think that there was uh, like, how are you, how do you take either of those guys over James Robinson? Yeah. But it's just, it's when they did it, you know, when they, when they had those monster games, like it's all about timing. And uh, it it does it makes things a little frustrating. It, it can also be exploited, but right, yeah. It, so it, it makes things it complicates things. <laughs> that, and that's one that you and I talked a lot about on the side was even David Montgomery and this amazing schedule that he had. And I know people were talking about the Jonathan Taylor schedule as well. But you and I talked about this schedule coming up and kind of tried to get people to buy into David Montgomery. Like I would honestly say earlier than most most was after like that week 12 when he hit out of his bye they were like okay i don't know why i didn't tell you to start him that was most people to be completely honest to the situation and then after that they're like wow and this schedule people were all in on dave montgomery what i'm trying to allude to here is like at this point now that he's done it through that easy schedule the teams that i was out of contention with like i tried to make moves for kenny galladay and like made those ships. And at the time in that moment, I felt really good about it. But then I start to get to this point where we are today, a week or two later from when I traded David Montgomery away. And I start to question, like, did I make the right move? Like I just traded for a older wide receiver. That's <laughs> didn't get a contract from the team that drafted him. And now he's going to be going into free agency, possibly a new situation. Like, are we going to have learning curves there? Was David Montgomery safer? Did I get too like caught up in a little bit of homerism when Galladay is probably not even going to be on the lines? It doesn't seem like they've made much effort to keep him with the team. I don't feel bad about the deal, but I don't feel as good as I did about the deal when I made it. Yeah. It it doesn't help that like if you put that trade poll on Twitter, <laughs> you would get crushed. Right. Right now, you know. It and it, it, I think that that's going to be a lot of our challenge throughout the off season, is to sort through that, that that noise, whether it's internal or external, you know, is and and figure out like who are the guys that, you know, that like was it was it just kind of a a late season favorable schedule? Is this was this somebody turning a corner? Was this right? you know, or is, is this going to be sustainable or not? Why did it happen? Yeah. And conversely, again, you you know, there's, there's still a big part of this is also, this is, you know, this is just as much recency bias as what we just saw, what just happened. What have you done for me lately? That's recency bias, but equally is the out of sight, out of mind piece of it. And to me, that's Kenny Galladay. We mm-hmm. didn't. We haven't seen Kenny Galladay in weeks. I, I don't yep. 
remember the last time right. he played. I know that he was solid when he did yeah. play, but yeah. um, and and you're right. I mean, there's there's still there's more there's a lot to it with Kenny Galladay. Does he get a contract with Detroit? If he does, you know who's who's the coach? Whose system are we running? Who's the quarterback? Like yeah. that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. So you know who else is going to be on the field with him? Um, you know, in the in that opposite wide receiver role because Marvin Jones is also a free agent. So you know, you've you've there's there's a lot that can change for Kenny Galladay, but um, it, it you know it's going to be pretty important for us to you know kind of sort through like try and battle back against that feeling of. I haven't seen Kenny Galladay in months. He's dead to me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it's it's so easy to fall into that. Yeah. I mean, this time last year, if you would have said Allen Robinson over Kenny Galladay, you would have had a strong disagreement. Everybody would have been on that Kenny Galladay side. But now everybody's – I shouldn't say everybody. Most people are on that Allen Robinson side, including myself. I would prefer – Allen Robinson to Kenny Galladay today. So that's how quickly like those values can shift in the market. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Dak Prescott is going to be another great example of that. Another guy that we need to, well, so two guys and, and one of them that I want to talk to you a little bit about um, it throughout this episode, uh, Justin Herbert. That's, that's kind of the example of, what have you done for me lately? It's kind of a lot, <laughs> you know, it's pretty yeah. significant. And, and I think that we're going to have to, um, you know, we're, we're really going to have to, to navigate some, some hype with him. Uh, on the other side is Dak Prescott, who we haven't seen since what week three, week four, whenever it was that he got hurt week five, something like that early in the season. And, you know, before that he was, I mean, he was the best quarterback in football, if I remember right. I mean, I know that Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray got off to a hot start as well. But I think I, I think that Dak Prescott was outscoring all of them before he before his foot fell off. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's and it's easy to forget with that amount of time since the last time that we saw him. It's easy to forget how good he was at the time and you know, just look at what Justin Herbert has done since then. Look right. At, you know, what Kyler Murray has done since then. People are going to, people are going to take Jalen Hurts over Dak Prescott and some startups. I hope it doesn't happen a lot. Dude. We're able to get in front of that. I don't it's even know what to happen. say to that. It's going to probably right though. Yeah. It'll probably happen. It'll probably, it'll probably be happening in some of those mock drafts that you do like very recently here. Probably. I've heard of him going the first round, yeah. but um, I wanted to mention though. So our boy, Brian Har over here at Superflex city put out a tweet this morning. It's not in front of me, but he mentioned that after Andrew luck, this was the second best rookie season for a quarterback ever this season from Justin Herbert. And that's without week one, John. Yeah. So you think, you think he's just going to kind of, uh, I mean, you mentioned that maybe, maybe he's not the answer there. Yeah. Is that very, going too far to. It's, it's, I, I'm so 
here's here's the con <laughs> <laughs> here's the context of Justin Herbert. So uh Jordan McNamara, uh you know, good friend of the super show. I think you've had him on Super Flexible yep. as well. Yep, uh, awesome dude, smart guy. Yeah, in- incredibly smart. One of the one of to me, possibly the most under underfollowed uh analyst in all of dynasty football. Um, but you know, author of analytics of dynasty, uh, part one and part two. Um, I assume that there's a third one coming out this year as well, but you know, he, so he tweeted out and it, you know, it was obviously it, it wasn't a great game for Tua, uh, for the Miami dolphins. Um, they end up missing the playoffs and, you know, Jordan, and so, but Miami ends up with a third overall pick from that Laramie Tunsil trade with the Houston Texans. The Texans end up with the third pick, and it's Miami's pick to make. And Jordan tweeted out, I mean, should Miami pick a quarterback, draft a quarterback with that third pick? And my answer is a resounding yes. And it, I, I'm not done with Tua. I'm not over the idea that Tua could turn into something. I, I, the deck is stacked against him, but it's a very good roster. It's a very good system. Brian Flores to me looks like one of the, you know, just one of the up and coming superstar head coaches in this league. Part of it is there's not a whole lot of need at any other position for the Dolphins. Part of it is this is a strong quarterback class. You know, probably best player available is going to pretty easily be a quarterback. Potentially someone who could even compete with Tua for that starting job. But above all else, the, the answer for me is if you don't know for sure who your quarterback is, if you don't know for sure that you have quarterback figured out, then yeah, you keep drafting them. And there's a lot of teams that should be thinking about it this way, not just Miami. To me, Denver should absolutely be prioritizing a quarterback. Maybe Drew Locke, maybe you draft somebody, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, somebody like that. You draft them and Drew Locke beats them out. Great. Now now you know that, that Drew Locke is the quarterback that you thought he was. You don't know that right now. Make him actually earn it, you know. Um, The New York Giants should prioritize a quarterback. The Washington. Yeah, Washington. And I think they are, but, I mean, they're a great example from last year, not going quarterback at, what, they have 102? Right. And and Chase Young was a hell of a pick, but he's wasted on a roster that doesn't have a quarterback. So, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. That's the example. You know, um, and to me, Philadelphia still needs to prioritize a quarterback. Jalen Hurts looks the part, but you don't know for sure. And you just learned a very valuable lesson that even when you think you know with Carson Wentz, you still don't really know. You right. Know? So, yeah. Like they, they you, you have to stay aggressive with it because you can't do anything in this league until you get it figured out at quarterback. Back to so back to Justin Herbert. My concern is they I don't know that the Chargers know for sure. It, and and that's going to be really hard for a lot of people to hear, particularly Brian Har. <laughs> and and probably I, I'm not in love you, with this myself. 
Yeah, I know. I know. The, the two of you kind of like compete for who's highest on Justin Herbert. Well, and and when he he put him, I mean, because I got some flack for putting him over Joe Burrow, but then the next week, Har's like, "Screw you, Swags!" Like we're we're putting him up against Mahomes. So I think I'll give it to him. I like Herbert a lot. Yeah, Har Har, you can win though, but still, like I'm still uh yeah, I have a hard time with this one. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, this is this is another one where we, first of all, we have to really sort through the noise. The other thing is that we really have to separate fantasy football from real football. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna piss you off even worse with this, but so <laughs> my my concern is with Justin Herbert. And I mean, so they ended up winning the final four games of the season. Finish seven and nine, you know, the it 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 feels a little bit better. Certainly the stats are there. Certainly, I mean, he he looks the part, he's got all the skills that you're looking for. It's just until those last four weeks, he just they just weren't winning games. They were losing very winnable games, especially if this is like if you've got a quarterback throwing for 30 touchdowns, you expect to win some of these games. And they weren't doing it. And my concern, you know, kind of the the comp for me, the the and and this is this is what I'm curious about. Like, um, this is also the part that's going to piss you off. But like this, you know, objectively speaking, is this something that you want to strive for? There's a possibility that Justin Herbert is Matthew Stafford. You know, all the stats in the world, the big arm, you know, enough mobility, um, sneaky mobility, and, you know, just just all the, all the ability in the world from the quarterback position, but it doesn't translate to wins. And, I mean, I, like, I, I think that, you know, I, I would love to get, you know, inject you with some truth serum, <laughs> get a moment of clarity from you and ask you as a Lions fan, like, is that, are you, are you okay with Matthew Stafford at quarterback, despite the fact that, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been able to win anything. Um, you, you know, you're, you're kind of right around 500 every year. Um, maybe sometimes a little bit below that. And, you know, you're also, you're you've been in, stuck in a division with Aaron Rodgers. You know that the bar is set a little bit higher. Justin Herbert is in the exact same situation now with Pat Mahomes. Like you know that if you're ever going to do anything in the AFC West, it starts with the ability to beat Patrick Mahomes. And the exact same, it's been the exact same scenario in Detroit, where you know that if you're going to make any kind of noise. In the NFC North, it starts with being able to beat Aaron Rodgers in the Packers. Yeah, I mean that's a tough one. I think like, I mean in the end, like yeah, you need the wins. Obviously, that's that's what we're talking about here. And you want your quarterback to lead the way. I just it's so hard for me to put all the blame on Matthew Stafford in in sure. this particular situation um, before the depth of this question kind of came out. 
I wanted to kind of be rhetorical and, and mention Dak Prescott and he, he doesn't really have a winning record, you know, but we love him in fantasy and we think he's automatically going to be that, that next guy to get the big contract. But Stafford, I mean, he's never had a winning record. You know, we've, we've barely made the playoffs and now, I mean, then this weekend we lose to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Um, that's so tough. You, I wasn't really ready for <laughs> know. all of this. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. Stafford, this is something that like, and a lot of people don't like this mindset, but as a Lions fan and as a Matthew Stafford fan, like I would love to see Stafford in what we perceive as a better situation, because I think he could strive in that situation. And being a Lions fan, you become such a big Stafford fan that I'm almost at the point now where I'd like to go see him do better things. Like I, I wouldn't mind a Stafford trade in for us to start fresh and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've had one of the best wide receivers to play the game on that team. And we, we still didn't, he retired frustrated with broken fingers. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, how much of that can we blame? on Stafford. Yeah. It, which is, which is totally fair. And I mean, the, and the thing about it too, is it's fair to say that, you know, you, well, there, there's a few things. I, I mean, I think that there's, that there's still an eye test involved. Like you still look at Stafford and you see a winner. Maybe. I mean, you could, um, yeah make that argument i it's also it's also fair to say you know i'm not i'm not necessarily worried about the fact that he's not so on i i've seen on the nfl network bucky brooks has talked about this before he he talks about there's you know there's trucks and there's trailers and most most nfl players are trailers like you have to pull them to the winds but there there are a few of these guys tom brady Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, those are trucks. They pull. Sure, they're going to win. They drag you to wins, you know. And I think that we've, I, I, I think that we've seen that from a number of, of young quarterbacks. Josh Allen is a great example. He's not always the, he, it, it's not always real clean quarterback play. Sure, oh, but he's God. winning. He wins. My God, does he win? So. You know that, like he's he looks like a truck. That looks like what you what you want as an NFL franchise at quarterback. I'm not so sure that Matthew Stafford is that, and I think it's fair to say that you're okay with that. We've seen trailers win championships. Um, you know, it, it takes. I mean, you really kind of need an elite defense, like an all timer type of defense, if you're going to do it, but. We've seen it happen. So, and I mean, you can also just say, you know what? He's, he's not going to win anything, but it's, it's still fun to watch. Sure. Sure. And, but I think the one thing like you can kind of go back and the one thing that he did win was the players in that locker room. Like even throughout Mm -hmm. like hard knocks, you learned how quickly that team and the wide receivers liked Justin Herbert. And, and I think that that even speaks volumes to, 
Justin Herbert and his future role on the team. I mean, I know the players aren't making those decisions, but to come in and to get that kind of chemistry with your vets that quickly, while at that point they still think that Tyrod Taylor's going to be the starter, I think speaks volumes to Justin Herbert and and how he handled that locker room situation as the second stringer all the way through to being the starter week two. Yeah. That that is something. There that that one is a little bit of a double edged sword for me, or uh, more, I guess, a catch twenty two. Mm-hmm. Just because, yeah. On one hand, that's like those intangibles, the ability to lead men, you know, to be a leader of men, is is you know that's something that is is highly desirable in a quarterback. It can also be a little bit dangerous, though. Like I think that. Like the Tampa Bay Bucks are a great example of this because I think it 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 seems to me anyways like that locker room loved Jameis Winston, you know, loved his his adi- his attitude and his personality, um, his his approach to the game. Uh, he he like he it's it's so weird because he has some truck in him for sure. Mm-hmm. You know the the it's the turnovers and the bad decisions that kind of turn him into more of a trailer. But yep. like he's he's got the athleticism, you know, to be to be one of those guys who, you know, if if he ever if he ever got it all together, if he ever pulled it all together, he's the type of guy that you can win a Super Bowl with. Yeah, he has to make better decisions. But anyways, I mean, I think that he had the locker room. And it made it really hard to move away from him to a point where like the only way people were going to be okay with, you know, moving on from Jameis Winston is if you bring in a monster name like Tom Brady. Right. I can see that. I mean, I think that that's probably that, you know, they, I think that they were going to make a move like that regardless, but like you have to, you know, and in Detroit, it's kind of the same thing. It's like the only way that you're going to sell that entire locker room on a quarterback change is if you're able to replace Stafford with somebody with an even bigger name. Right. So it can be a little bit of a problem. It can be tough. It, we kind of dealt with it here in Denver where, you know, uh, Kyle Orton was a, a favorite within the locker room. And – you know, it, but it was obvious that he wasn't going to win anything. Tim, I didn't think Tim Tebow was a great quarterback either, but, you know, it was, it was pretty obvious that Tim Tebow gave you a better chance to win. To win, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the players didn't want to play for him the way they wanted to play for Kyle Orton, and it made it really tough to make the switch. Yeah. And even when they did, it was still a pretty split locker room, so – it, you know that and that kind of happens a lot so it can be it can go both ways it can be a great quality for a quarterback to have but you know again if they're not winning games but they've got that loyalty from their teammates it just it makes it that much harder to to move off of them so i don't know i i mean i like back to Herbert, I think that the most likely scenario here is that this translates to wins. It's just, to me, I, I think that it's too early to say for sure. 
and you know that i that just concerns me a little bit like it would it would i don't i'm not saying like go spend early draft capital on another quarterback but i'm saying like go get a big name backup you know russell wilson or justin herbert Cause, cause I, you've you've thrown a little <laughs> bit of Russell Wilson shade as of late, just to where he, he can't close out your seasons. Yep. You showed us that again this year. Justin Herbert was there for us, right? I know, and that's the thing. That's where that separation between fantasy and the NFL gets really tough. Yeah. Like I, I mean, objectively speaking, I think that Russell Wilson has a safer job. As long as he wants it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And Justin Herbert does at this moment. I mean, yep. I think Herbert is going to get there. That's the thing. I think he's going to get there. But he's the fact that he's not there yet, I think, just has to be a little concerning for us. And I think that, you know, in Superflex, we have to, we have to plan a little bit for the fact that we don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. And for, from an NFL standpoint, I think that the Chargers, you know, the, should should really stay on top of the quarterback position until they know for sure. Yeah. And with coaching changes, you never know, too. He might want to bring yeah. his own guy in. I mean, you even have a, another one that came up, too, that um, I know we talked a little bit about it was a Twitter poll and it was Aaron Rodgers versus Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were kind of like brought in the age very quickly on Goff and just how <laughs> this is how old Goff is though. And Aaron Rodgers is 37. He's going to be 38. I love how that always follows, you know, <laughs> like the 37 year old that's going to be 38 because we can't add the birthday up ourselves. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, uh, but then you, you really start thinking about it and you're like, well, does Goff play more games? as a starting quarterback longer than Aaron Rodgers does. Like, sure. We know their age differences, but Aaron Rodgers gets to be a starter in the NFL as long as he wants to be. Jared Goff doesn't have that luxury. Right. I mean, you may think he does like, yes, he's a starting quarterback right now, but is his job safe for as long as Aaron Rodgers is right. Yeah. Again, if it doesn't start to translate into some championships, you know, I, I, and I mean, I, I think that getting to the Super Bowl a couple years ago, I think that that bought a lot of time for Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. They're back in the playoffs this year. You know, if they, if they win a game or two, I think that it probably extends his, uh, you know, his, the good graces that he's got there mm-hmm. right now. But yeah, I mean, it, it like at some point, you de- this definitely it it has to start translating into you know it has to translate into wins and it has to translate into wins in in january and, and even in february yeah before you know you you it, aaron rodgers has a title already you know um yeah they were uh they were the number 2 seed last year they're the number 1 seed this year yeah, I mean, and and you know he's he's pretty consistently had them in the playoffs when he's healthy. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, his I'd say his job is safer. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, 
one thing I wanted to ask you within this show, and we're kind of on quarterbacks now, but through, and it's so funny, we were, we're like all the way through this show and we didn't bring this up, but through like this COVID 2020 year, and do you think that people finally kind of started to come around to like, how important quarterbacks are like the early and often mentality that QBX like quarterback extreme that you try so hard to preach. Do you think that that yeah. has affected the majority? I know we can't change everybody overnight, but do you think you've seen <laughs> shifts in any of that with your DLF mocks or do you think it's going to be kind of the same old battle throughout this off season? Cause we're getting into startups now. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite ready, but we're starting to see startup drafts kick off. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, and and, yeah, I mean, between, you know, startups and just the mocks that we've done, I mean, we've already seen quarterbacks going early, you know, pretty heavily early, like first round is like eight, nine, 10 quarterbacks out of the first 12 picks. So crazy. It's like the way you want it, but now you have to start like, changing yeah. how you do things a little bit too you're like oh finally this is happening but now what am i going to do <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> i know i know i what i will say though is i mean you kind of get through the through those first like two or three tiers of quarterbacks and people's people really start to lay off so like the the quarterback early part is definitely covered so far and I don't know that it's going to stay that way, but for the moment we're there, quarterback often still isn't happening. Gotcha. And I think a big part of that is because we're just like, you know, once you get to, uh, you know, it, it, maybe it's not even the top three tiers. It's, it's, it goes a little beyond that. Like you still feel good about the fact that, you know, obviously Ryan Tannehill, he's going to be a starter. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford's going to start somewhere. Yep. Um, we don't know for sure that it's going to be Detroit, but we know he'll start somewhere. You know, uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, is not a, not a super dependable quarterback, but we know that he's going to start for Minnesota, you know, pretty much unopposed. Right. You know, they're, they're some of those guys kind of in the lower tiers. Still gets really tough to pass up on, like, Mike Evans to take Jared Goff. Right, yeah. Those guys, like, when you're looking at it and you're like, man, I need a couple quarterbacks still, but all, like, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, some of those players are available to you, and you're like, okay, how long do I wait for my second or third quarterback now that this whole first and second tier of quarterbacks was gone in the first 15 picks? It's crazy. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and it makes you kind of you like it, it, it'll definitely push you as far as your risk tolerance (laughs) because you know, now, now you start to have to like force yourself to trust guys like Daniel Jones and Teddy Bridgewater to come back to those starting roles and, you know, maybe even hold it for a few years for you and give you a little bit of time to, to figure it out. Because first of all, you know, we've, we've kind of got two, two categories in those later tiers. We've got number one, there's the guys who could easily retire in the next year or two. Yep. 
It looks like Breeze is going to retire this offseason. Yep. Phillip Rivers. Looks like Philip Rivers probably will. Ben Roethlisberger might or might not, but he probably should. <laughs> and Tom Brady won't this year, but next year is it is feels very likely. Yeah. You know? Especially in an, if they're able to go get a championship this year, that might be it. Yeah. So where do you put somebody like Carson Wentz in with Daniel Jones and Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, and that's 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 just it. Like it's another I mean, I think that Wentz just kind of belongs in that same basket, personally. Yeah, yep. I, I wonder what you think because yeah, I'm similar. Yeah, it, I, to me, Wentz is very similar to Matthew Stafford. I think that Stafford is more likely to start somewhere, but in both cases, it's like they're gonna; those guys are going right. to start somewhere, just not sure where. Yeah. So I mean, Fenero just texted me like as we're doing this show, and he. He has that offer. Literally, somebody's offering him their Carson Wentz for their for his Teddy Bridgewater, and he's kind of like, "Would you do this?" And I think I kind of want the Carson Wentz side, as crazy as that is. Yeah, man, that it's one's tough. tough. Huh? They're so damn close. Yeah, because first of all, Bridgewater has a job. Yep, we know, and and not only do we know that he has a job, we know that that job is in a very good offense that's going to get Christian McCaffrey back. And now, you know, you've got a full off season. Presumably you're even going to get some, you know, four preseason games to, to work on this yeah. Matt, Matt rule, Joe Brady offense. Like there's, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of upside with the Panthers offense. So it makes it tough. Like, I think that Carson Wentz is just more talented but just the situation for for Teddy Bridgewater makes him really t- – it's tough. That is a tough one. I think by 2022, that's when you're going to start to worry about Teddy, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Teddy has the job next year. They play him through 2021, but if it doesn't work out, I think that they're one of those teams, kind of like you mentioned with Herbert. Like, are you really okay with – Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback, like, is he the one that's going to put you over the top and is he your truck? Yeah. But yeah, exactly. And so just the bridge over troubled waters. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Yeah. And, but the tough part is if you don't take your second quarterback in, in your super flex startup, if you don't take your second quarterback in the first three rounds, like that's the type of decision that you're trying to make. Yeah. You're looking at Bridgewater versus uh, you know, versus Wentz um versus I don't know, Roethlisberger and Brady. Yeah. And then if you don't it, you know, if you decide to punt there, I because there's going to be some very good wide receivers available at that point. There's still going to be some good running backs. We're I'm seeing James Robinson fall there. Yeah. That makes it really tough. If, yeah. If I only if I've got Pat Mahomes, and I've just been kind of focusing on on you know wide receiver and running back ever since, and I'm just like I'll get my second quarterback later. James Robinson is sitting there while I'm sitting while I'm trying to right. you know trying to decide between Teddy Bridgewater and Carson Wentz. Right. Man, like yeah. 
it is so hard to pass up on yeah. James Robinson right there. It's crazy. I mean, you even think about how quickly your confidence has changed in somebody like Drew Locke. Yeah. To where you last year when we were doing our startups, we're drafting Drew Locke thinking we have um, a quarterback at what caliber was to be unknown, but we felt confident that we had a starting quarterback for a couple mm-hmm. few years. We'll say that. We won't worry about where we thought he was going to finish, but that confidence is now gone. So you get into yeah. that that tier that you're talking about, and you almost get to the point where you're like, well, who do I have confidence in that they're going to be around at least a couple few years versus the points they're going to put up? And I just don't know if I have that confidence in Teddy Bridgewater. E- even watching everything that's happened with Carson Wentz throughout this season i feel like i still have more confidence in the idea of him having a job going into like 2023 and and beyond a little bit more like that so yeah i I think that's kind of where my like i would take the carson Wentz side yeah yeah i I mean i think i would probably go bridgewater because he's a little safer but either way like the so the the problem is you know if 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 you fall into some paralysis by analysis there you you know you just kind of you're forced into inactivity at quarterback because you're just like i i mean do i take the talent or do i take the 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 safety and ultimately you're just like i i can't do it i can't i can't decide between these quarterbacks right now i'm just going with the running back james robinson now when it comes back to you and you have to make a decision at quarterback to it just got a lot uglier. Now yeah. you're looking at, I mean, I think Drew Locke is probably in that conversation. It's like, is he going to survive this offseason and get another year as a starter? You know, it's it's that's looking more likely than it did a few weeks ago. But is he going to be able to capitalize on that and parlay that into, you know, more, a, a, a greater opportunity? And man, it doesn't feel like it, you know? So you're kind of putting him up against Tom Brady. You know, who, if I'm only going to get this guy for one year, which of these two am I going to pick? And then if you still can't make that decision, now it comes back to you and you're looking at guys that, I mean, you don't even know for sure that they're going to get a year. Right. You're looking at Mitchell Trubisky. You're looking at Philip Rivers. You're yeah. looking at Jimmy Garoppolo. Mitch Trubisky or Drew Locke? I yeah, and I think it's Locke, but man, you want to like there's a they might they might both be just yeah. huge busts. It's crazy, dude. They might both um, get replaced. I I want to go back though. I think uh, paralysis by analysis would be a great show title or or yeah. a podcast title. Like I like that. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. John's new podcast coming out soon here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like that's that's kind of and I I think that people see uh, people look ahead a little bit and see how tough those decisions are going to get. And you know, not not even necessarily tough in that like you know, Teddy Bridgewater versus Carson Wentz. That's a tough decision. Like the decision to take a quarterback that you have absolutely no faith in for the long term, that's tough. 
especially yeah. when they're very usable wide receivers and running backs available. Yeah. People kind of see that coming and they're like, okay, well, I need to get my safe, elite, top end quarterback early on so that I can afford to get it wrong a little bit later. And so that's where, like, I think that the first half of of QBX is being satisfied, the quarterback early part. Like, I think that's why. But I think that once these quarterback positions get settled, we know for sure who's going to be the starting quarterback for every NFL team. Yeah. And we're probably going to find that out in, like, March and April. Then I think you're going to see the this ADP go back to – that makes what sense. It used to look like yep. Once you know. people have confidence of who's going to be the starting quarterback, not even for the duration, but yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Because people are fine with one year. It's just there are so many starting NFL quarterbacks right now that I mean, we don't even know that we're going to get a year, right? Like drafting Philip Rivers is, I I mean that that keeps me up at night. Yeah, <laughs> that's scary. Yeah, Breeze and Rivers both. Yeah. And if you're doing a startup right now and then, you know, you find out in like a month that like it's it's going to make you above all else, it's going to make you never want to do a startup in, yeah. <laughs> in January yeah. again. Alex Smith might be safer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he probably is personally. Yeah. But yeah, it's it makes it tough. But yeah, I think that that that's probably it's more likely that people are going to go back to, you know, feeling okay about uh, those guys who are going to be a one-year starter. And, you know, the quarterback ADPs drop to later in the draft. I think that's more likely to happen than, than people really embracing QBX and saying, you know what, I, I, I don't know with these quarterbacks, so I'd rather get – you know, a handful of guys that feel pretty safe and make sure that I've got options regardless of what happens, you know? Yeah. I hope it's at least somewhere in the middle though. Cause I think some, I think some people finally kind of found out like what it's like to really have no quarterback and be in those situations where like the rest of my team is ripped and ready to go, but I'm losing because of this one position I, neglected now i kind of finally get what you're saying i did see a little bit of that throughout the season this year but i don't know how much of it's actually gonna transpire to different team builds or trades where people actually value that super flex quarterback position yeah yeah that's it's gonna be my crusade to keep pushing that but um it's it's gonna be tough. I I don't know, but and and honestly, like back to Carson Wentz, people are gonna point to that and say, you know, we were drafting Carson Wentz in the second round to start up. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And look how that turned out. Yeah, yeah. or Drew Locke. Yeah, yeah, Drew Locke was going fairly yeah. early. Daniel Jones was was going early, and Gardner. I, yeah, Gardner, for sure. Um. I like. I feel like we kind of suppress Gardner. I feel like we suppress Daniel Jones a little bit, and now Daniel Jones is looking like you know 
one of the safer options. Yeah. But But I think part of it though, isn't just how much you suppress that startup value, but the security, even somebody that maybe I, I made them feel good about Gardner maybe Mm -hmm. or something like that, where you go into the season feeling like Gardner Minshew is my third quarterback. Even if he was your third starting quarterback, you felt a certain amount of confidence in that, but now that confidence is lost. And then they start to think of like some of those other players they could have had like cam Akers over Gardner Minshew or something like that. So I think he's still going to be somebody that could be thrown in our faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Yep. It's also, I, I think that we're also getting, people are getting a feeling a lot more comfortable right now with, with some of these incoming rookies because of, because of this, you know, the same thing where it's feeling like, you know, the, the quarterbacks that we thought we could trust all of a sudden, you know, they're just, I mean, Gardner's completely off our, our radar at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like the most likely scenario is he's a backup to Trevor Lawrence and I don't think they're even going to bridge him. Right. I think Trevor Lawrence starts from day one. Oh yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, if Gardner's there, like he's not going to be the starter. Yeah, yeah. So you know, guys like I mean, Cam Newton is another guy that you know we were drafting relatively early once we knew that he had a job. Yeah, and now he's right back out of that job, and probably like the best case scenario for him is going to be a backup role somewhere. And I don't even know that he's going to find that. Right. He might not want to accept that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know who's going to feel great about him as a, as a backup. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that he's great for teaching young quarterbacks and I don't, you know, he runs a totally different offense than most of the quarterbacks in this league. Like he could be a good backup for, you know, somebody like, um, like Lamar Jackson, I suppose. Yeah. Maybe even too strong of a personality for a backup. That could be too. Yeah. Yeah. How much of the locker room presence he would take on to himself as a backup is a lot. Sometimes it's sometimes it's not worth it to the teams even Mm -hmm. at any price. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. It it makes it, you know, we, we found out that we didn't know nearly as much as we thought we knew <laughs> last off season. To me, that's not a good reason to stop drafting quarterbacks, you know, yeah. stop prioritizing quarterbacks. In fact, to me, it, it is an even more compelling reason to go quarterback extreme. Yeah. Because, you know, you want to make sure that you've got insurance in case, things don't go the way you expected. Yep. You know, in case you do draft next year's Carson Wentz. Yeah, absolutely. Even, I mean, my teams that were deep at quarterback were still my my strongest teams, even if I lost players like Dwayne Haskins or, or other guys underperformed. Those teams were still my strongest teams, mm-hmm. by all means. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I also I also don't think that it's going to be very good process to trust rookie picks, you know, to uh, just to just pencil those in 
even even more like to pen pen those in as as quarterbacks points or yeah i think you're right i think that this year even even and i know you're talking about quarterbacks but i'm talking about wide receivers as well i think Mm -hmm. that it's going to make people think that we're they're instantly going to hit on their rookie picks in 2021 and they're they're going to go out and find their justin jefferson or their Mm -hmm. dk metcalf from 2019 or aj brown or some yeah. of these guys, I think that they're instantly going to think that they're 2021. They, that's going to happen every year. But at some point, it's going to bite you in the ass. And yeah. I think that this could be kind of that area where the later picks aren't going to hit quite as much as we think they are, you know. And we're still going to get some hits, but I don't think it's as guaranteed. I mean, you're, it's going to go back to like that Treadwell draft class at some point where you're really excited and then nothing really happens. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, uh, I hate that. Uh, it's bound to happen again. You know, it is at some point. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's nothing to be excited about in this year's draft class, but I don't know. I think that those picks are going to go up in value to the point where that's almost when you move them. Yeah. Yeah, man, we could do a whole other hour on that. And in fact, maybe we should. <laughs> maybe we should uh uh stop here with the quarterback talk and then uh and get back to this yeah absolutely um, man yeah dude, dude i was looking at a, a rookie draft though from last year just mm-hmm. just one but it's so it's fresh in my head i took brandon Ayuk at 301 yeah in, in a rookie draft yeah and I know. I know that that doesn't always happen but i was just like how did that happen I know. I and I think you got Chase Claypool even later. Yeah, probably. I think he was yep. probably like late third, early fourth for a lot in a lot of rookie drafts. So Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean it just goes to show I mean Jerry and then Judy near my ass is taking Joshua Kelly and Zach Moss in the second. Right. <laughs> <I know. laughs> like, oh I know. But to be honest, I'm still gonna do that. I and, <laughs> 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 I just, I don't know. I like I as much as as it would have been great to get Brandon Ayuk or Chase Claypool that cheap. I mean, honestly, like Corey Davis was even cheaper. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, there there were veteran guys that you could have uh, yep. you could have ended up with just as cheap, if not cheaper, and you know, with the exact same floor, the exact same ceiling. Like, so that's why to me, the rookie draft is like, if you need quarterbacks, you get them there. Otherwise, yeah. like just focus on running backs. I, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to learn my lesson on that. I'm ever, I don't think I'm ever going to back off of that, but yeah, I, like I said, I mean, it, to me that, that like, that gives us a, a great place to stop here and, uh, just kind of wrap this one up and then we'll have a nice easy segue into the next one when we talk about some about rookie picks and and uh you know rookie draft strategy a little bit yeah like that was that was one of the things that we wanted to to kind of brain dump about anyways um so yeah we'll just save it for next time since we ended up going a a full hour just on quarterbacks so yeah, let's let's wrap this one up. But uh, yeah, make sure that you're subscribed to Superflex City. 
you get the super show, you get super flexible, you get the super flexperts, you get snake in a draft, and then all of our auxiliary satellite podcasts, uh, just like this one, uh, the commissioner office and uh, super flex trades and uh, swag's new one, uh, the the variance of value. <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm trying to mess with it. We'll see. We'll see. But we should have a super flex trades hopefully coming out later this week too. I think. Yeah, and uh, some commissioner stuff coming up as nice. well. Nice. A lot of good stuff coming from Superflex City. So make sure you're subscribed and uh, keep up with us. Now you can sing with Zach. (laughs) He's been just hanging out waiting. (laughs) 